Hi, my name's John Kasher and welcome to Cash Talk, where there'll be no boundaries and a lot of straight talk. All things money, business, and just everyday stuff. Hey guys, before we get started, just a quick reminder that all the information in this podcast is of a general nature and not tailored to your personal circumstances. So please seek personal financial advice before acting on this information. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cash Talk. And I'm here once again, joined by Mason Thorne. Mason, how are you, mate? Good, mate. Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. Now, everyone, today here, we're going to be talking about what to expect in 2023. And there's a lot of moving parts still happening in the world of finance, and we want to keep you informed, but obviously let you know a bit of our opinion in regards to what's going on. Now, Mason, what's some of the things that are going on still deep into 2022, and what to expect in 2023? Yeah, I think one of the big ones that everyone will be talking about is rising interest rates. Is this going to stop? Is this going to continue? What's going to happen in 2023? I know there's talk that it's, I think it's next week where the RBA is meeting for the last time for the year and there's talk they're going to raise it again by another 0.25 basis points. Mm-hmm. So is that going to continue on in 2023 or do we think it's going to ease up a little bit? Mm. There's, there's still a lot of talk obviously going on in regards to inflation. I, th- I think it's very, a very complex situation. Um, we were just listening to a, um, an economist yesterday who said that they're probably on a really on the back half of um, of these rising interest rates with The Economist saying that there's probably going to be two more rate rises, one being in December and the other one being in February because they usually take January off. Now, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> personally, I don't think that that's um, going to be the case, but I don't want to be getting into forecasting because what I really want to see is the cash rate, is the, sorry, is the inflation getting down and really under control. I know that rising costs is a problem, but the biggest thing is as well too is making sure that really that inflation doesn't stick around because the last thing you want is rising inf- inf- inflation year on year, uh, price expectations being sat in there, and all of a sudden we're in this spiral of continuous cost of living problems for many, many years to come. And Mason, what's your view in regards to that as well too? Yeah, so I think, well, we, we're seeing inflation trend in the right direction. Mm. So I think that's a massive plus for the RBA. So that's a big tick for Philip Lowe. I think he's done a really good job there. Um, so he'd be really pleased with that. Yeah. Um, but I think what we're also going to see in 2023 is there's a lot of people coming off these fixed rates. Mm. So and I think the RBA knows this as well. So they're sort of baking that into the idea saying, okay, it's going to really hit some households really, really hard and they're going to get hit with massive increases in repayments. So planning forward and making sure you got those on, on check is going to be really crucial to making sure that you can manage 2023. Yeah. And I think the consistent thing is the most probably can, can, um, uh, the consistent thing across all economists and most major um, you know, experts in the, in the field is that 2023 is probably going to be a very hard year on most households. That pressure of rising costs, that pressure of uh, mortgage repayments, those adjustments in regards to your lifestyle is probably going to be you know, surrounding 2023. But one of the things that we don't know is some of the other things that are playing out, especially in regards to some geopolitical problems that are still in the back, uh, back end of that. Um, but I think the biggest thing is to always remember that we do get through these things and there's been mountain of worries in the past in regards to being able to come, uh, overcome these certain aspects. So you know, I am very confident that we will get through. But you know, to be, you can't predict, but you can prepare. And in these times when you're preparing, you've got to be making sure that you're not wasting your money and your money's not being just blown into unnecessary things that you're really conscious of where you're spending your money. And for the people that are coming off those a wonderful fixed year period, fixed rates that were, that were around and available a year or two ago, it's really around you need to start be setting your cash flow right now. If you ever haven't done it already, 
getting it prepared for when it comes off. So I would be doing that already. Now, it might not be something that you really wanna do. You might still wanna enjoy going on holidays and having those luxury things, going out to those restaurants and all of those things. But the reality is, is that you may be forced your hand at that point to actually change your lifestyle rapidly. And it's, it's, we often help people to transition to those periods. You don't wanna be going from having a really good life to having a really restricted life you want to be able to have that balance. So being well prepared for what's going to come, it's, it's, it's inevitable. Your, your fixed rate is going to go to that higher, higher rate once you come off it. Um, you really need to be preparing your finances now. You really do. I think it's more important than ever to have a conversation as a household with your advisor around the trade-offs. Mm. I think this is really crucial at the moment because unfortunately, some people are going to have to give up things because mm. um, we're not going to give up our houses, are we? We live there. That's what we've worked so hard for. You're not going to give that up. So unfortunately, that means some of these discretionary spending, as you mentioned before, we have to give up some of those things. What what things can we give up? Maybe it's an Uber Eats we can give up. Maybe we don't do that so often. Mm. Maybe it's maybe there's some, some subscriptions you don't use. Like these are little costs, but they all add up over yeah. a month. So just doing these little things, making sure we're on top of these things. But this probably leads me to the next thing, John. And I know you're doing some goal setting mm. sessions in the new year. Mm. How important is setting goals mm. um, regularly and and how hard is it to stick to those goals? Yeah, look, most of the big audacious goals that we've got, and I'm, what I'm talking about is financial freedom, you know, being in a position that you want to retire at some point, they, they usually don't change. Like your long-term goals are usually the same. And the, the biggest thing that probably changes in regards to those long-term goals is just can you make them happen sooner? Yeah, but remember, it's like climbing Everest. There's this massive pinnacle where you want to get to the top of Everest, but you need to work on the goals and the steps to get there. So. Start of the year is a really, really good point to, it's just probably psychologically driven that it's a really good time to start goal setting and working out in, for the next 12 months, what are we aiming for? What do we wanna do? And it doesn't need to be huge. Like it might be as simple and as granular as I wanna be making sure I save three months worth of all expenses in my bank account. That's it. Like getting to that point will trigger off that excitement, that progress, and it will start to get you to start really enjoying the journey and not the destination. And the other big thing is getting to financial freedom or getting to your retirement and living out your retirement the way you want is usually a long time away. You know, even if we're talking about 10 years away, it's still a fair while. Like we do a lot of things on a daily basis. So what goals can we set in 12 months? And then what progress positions can we make for that 12 month period? Like, where do we need to be in three months? Where do we need to be in six months? Where do we be, need to be in nine months? Now, sometimes it's very hard to do certain goals and people struggle with this. So I use what they call a time traveler interview. And what this does for you is say simply, put yourself into that forward position. So when you're setting a goal, it's if I'm having Christmas next year and I'm looking back at the 12 months, what have I achieved? Now you could do that in five years, you could do that in 10 years, but really it's around making goal setting realistic and achievable, but towards getting to a bigger goal. If you're in a business, this applies exactly the same, yeah? We've got big visions, big goals, big aspirations, but if you don't boil it down to small, achievable sprints, you're never gonna get to that big goal, or it's just gonna get, keep getting further and further away and you're not gonna be consistent to it. I think that's a really good point you've made there, John. I think setting the goals is important, but as we know, New Year's comes around, we all set these big goals. Mm -hmm. I think the, the statistics pretty crazy. Something like 90% yeah. of our goals we forget about come February. Yeah. So seeing it's one thing, 
Sting to is a whole another ball game, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's a really difficult one. And get, having someone there to keep you accountable, mm. so crucial. 100%. If you think about, like, I mean, it's just not finances and, and, and lifestyle. You're talking about even fitness, health, like, whatever you do. Everyone comes with the best intentions. Like, gym memberships right now would probably be soaring, yeah? Yeah. Weather's starting to get good. People want to get out on the beach. They want to look well. So, it's really around making sure that you're aware of the psychology that's playing against you and for you. And what this does is enable you to say, okay, well, listen, by three months time, I wanna be making sure that I've lost three kilos. My end goal is 15 kilos and I wanna fit back into that dress, I wanna fit back into that suit. Mm. But really around, okay, well, to get into that figure that I had 10 years ago, or whatever it is, if that's what the goal is, well, what's the incremental steps to get there? And when it comes to your finances, that's the exact thing. Now, the longer the goal, the more gray it is, okay? Mm. Because it's very, very hard to stay laser, laser focused on the exact income requirement that you're going to need to be financially free in 20 years from now. And yes, we do a lot of forecasting and we do a lot of modeling, but that's more to unlock your potential rather than you to actually figure out what needs to be done in the next 12 months. And the accountability piece is huge because, for example, we went for a walk this morning and um, everyone's like, yep, we're going for a walk. There would have been one or two people that didn't want to go for a walk this morning. But because you've got that accountability to those people around you, it's really getting you to go for that walk and have that exercise session and get out to where you need to get to. And I know, for example, with me, I've got a guy who I train with in the mornings, wake up at like five o'clock in the morning, go to the gym, and you know, even us just texting each other and keeping us accountable. Now, if you apply that to your finances, you're going to be achieving your goals because you've got someone there keeping you accountable to where you're going to need to get to. And the other big thing about accountability though is making sure you don't have accountability, just accountability. It would be really good to be matched with someone who's also a mentor as well. And that's the biggest one that I find. That the next step to take it to that next level is not just to have an accountability partner, but really to have a mentor who's taking your, your in this case, wealth to a whole new level. 100%, a guide to, to show you the way as well, not just say, oh, keep doing this, keep doing this, because that, that gets old quite quickly. Mm. And once someone say, okay, you've done this, fantastic, what's the next thing? And always looking forward for you as well, helping you out, see around those corners for you. I think that's so, so crucial. Now, speaking of 2023, John, I know 2022, we sort of saw um, the great resignation. Mm -hmm. And it was, employees had all the power, it seemed. It seemed like no matter what you could do, employees could go anywhere, get a pay rise, all this stuff. Are we somewhat seeing a transition now with rising interest rates? Businesses are now cutting employees. We're seeing with Twitter, we're seeing with Google, Facebook, mm -hmm. all these companies are now cutting employees. Mm -hmm. Is it now? T is the pendulum now swinging back to an employer-driven market, or is it still somewhat halfway? Where, what are you sort of seeing <laughs> in the market now? Yeah, so it is. 2022 has definitely been an employees market. Um, you know, with unemployment where it is and, and lowest records of all time, just being able to fill positions have just been huge. So the demands in regards to being able to go and ask your employer for a 20% or 10% pay rise has been huge, yeah? But what that has also done is in 2023, is also set up you to potentially fail. Because usually, in most cases, the more you get paid, the more you can increase the bottom line for that business by getting rid of you. So the pendulum is swinging. And it's also, the governments around the world are not gonna say this, but they're intentionally trying to increase the unemployment rate, mm. you know? So just, you know, think about that for a moment. The government is intentionally trying to increase the unemployment rate. Now, the reason why they're doing this 
is because that will also help inflation as well. So you've got to think about it. Inflation is driven by the cost of goods going up and consistently going up. Now, if everyone's getting paid more, everyone has more money on the monopoly table, therefore everything drives more. So by increasing the cash rates, they're doing two factors, probably exactly for the same goal, but one of them is to increase the unemployment rate. And by doing that, that directly means that the employer's in a much, much stronger position. And I do find that for the employee, wage growth over the next, say, 2023, 2024, is probably gonna be a struggle. So. yeah, that's, uh, and I want to try and say that in the most, you know, sensitive way and the most humblest way. I hope everyone does do that. But I just, uh, the reality is, is that the costs of rising in regards to both households and businesses, and businesses are very, very good at, at, at attacking inflation by making sure that they're just trimming the bottom line. And we're seeing this in Amazon. We're seeing this in some of the big names, but we're also seeing this in the smaller names as well too. And the businesses that I'm working with as well too, you know, they're, not, they're looking at their numbers more than they've ever looked at their numbers before. And if you're a business and you're not looking at your numbers, you better be looking at your numbers right now. Okay, so let's go back to the goal setting then. So if one of my goals is to potentially change jobs, mm-hmm. should I be second guessing this? Or what, what things should I be doing? And what steps should I be taking to make sure if I do move jobs that I'm going to a job where I feel secure? Because job security mm-hmm. is such an important thing for, for life really. Because like we've got to make loan repayments. You've got to be sure because that just creates more financial stress. So what can we do? Well, it really, well, the thing is as well too, is if you're looking to change your job, you've got to ask yourself the reason why you're trying to change that job. Like, so if you're chasing security, is that new employer going to give you that security? Now, I always say to everyone, if you're going to get a job with someone, make sure you've got a passion and a drive for it. Because if you've got a passion for a drive, even if you talk about like you having to rock up, do the extra, be regarded, like seen as that great employee, you're going to have to love what you do, okay? And you know, I can talk about you, for example, Mason loves what he does, he bounces off the walls, you really love what you do. So that drive and that determination and that passion, business owners don't wanna lose that. You know, So to create the job security, you need to be in a role where you share that passion and love what you do. So let's imagine you do that, you love what you do, you fall into that job, you really love what you do. Well then it's really around thriving. And the biggest thing about a business, when a business is making a decision to trim or not trim, is ultimately what value is that is that employee bringing to the table? Now, if the value exchange between what that person's bringing and what they're delivering, you know, is, is huge, business still is probably not going to get rid of that employee, or you'll be one of the last that's on the pecking order. So the, the things about this is why I'm saying the pendulum swinging is because if you're trying to do the minimal amount of work in a job that you hate you're probably wanting to look elsewhere and find that job where you're going to be able to put the, the time in, put the effort in, and really create that that value in that business that you actually love. I think that's a, I think that's a really great point there. You gotta love what you do. Otherwise, it's, it makes it so much harder to put in the hard work because you just don't love it. And it's just, it's, it's human nature. Now, going again, back to these goals of 2023, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people that we speak to, one of the big goals is I wanna start investing or I wanna, mm-hmm really ramp up my investing. Mm. But with these uncertain economic times, that some people say, oh, I'll do, it, I'll do it later, I'll do it later. Why might that be a mistake? Yeah. The reality is, is that investing should be a necessity. Like at the end of the day, am I gonna, when I'm gonna ask you a question is, is, is working forever an option? 
Not for me. Not for, definitely not for me. I don't think. Definitely not for me. So, to, for you to net, like for you to be in a position where you can no longer work, you need to be investing your money so that you have passive income that's supporting your life at a later stage. Okay. And when it comes to investing, it's all about time. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some people that throw red at the roulette table, win big, and and they're in those positions. But it's a very, very, very small percentage. And I'm not willing, especially for my clients, and I know you're the same, yeah. to put their whole future on that that strategy. So with that in play, it's a, it's it's a necessity. And the greatest thing in Australia around superannuation is that that has created four savings. But the reality is, is that to live a comfortable in that financial freedom scenario, and especially if you want to retire early, you've got to be investing and investing consistently and as early as possible. And in these uncertain times, you've got to really look at your lifestyle requirements. And what I mean by that is that if you're going out to say restaurants every week, by the way, I love restaurants as well. But what I'm saying is, let's say you're going out to a restaurant every week and you're spending 150 bucks every week, okay? And even if you can still afford it now with the rising costs, well, what happens if you just made that every fortnight? So all of a sudden, every fortnight, you're saving $150 a fortnight. That $150 a fortnight into an investment strategy consistently over 20, 30 years is gonna have huge outcomes in regards to where you need to be. And so small incremental changes get to where you need to get to. Now, the thing is, is most people get frustrated with it. But I remember when I wanted to do like really, look really fit, for example, I remember my trainer at the time essentially said, John, just get rid of the toast in the morning. So I used to have toast. Simple. Yes, I didn't like doing it. Yeah, I loved my toast in the morning. But where that put me in six months time in regards to my, my fitness and the way that I felt was huge by a small incremental change. And it's the same when it comes to finances. It's these small incremental changes that people need to make to ensure that they stay on their investment strategy. Now, the other thing I do see is people will start, rising costs will go, and then they'll pause or stop their investments. Now, listen, I get that. Temporarily, while you're adjusting your life to accommodate for the cost of living, because maybe you may have not got your budget right, you may have not got your investment strategy right. (coughs) Sorry. You may need to, yes, pause, reset, recalibrate, and go where you need to get to. So also don't sit there and go, I got it right from the start, I need to stick with it, and that's what it forever. Like, this is a moving world. Cost of living and the adjustments in lifestyle, which I think is gonna be the headlines of 2023, is going to be huge. And you've got to think about it. We've had cuts in cash rate for over a decade. And when I grew up, I still remember we didn't go to restaurants as much as we got to, we didn't upgrade our, you know, didn't get new shoes as much as we got new shoes and all of this stuff. We're going to be going back to a decade ago where we didn't get everything we wanted and especially not on credit because credit is where cost is hurting. Mm. So there's, like I said, there's a few aspects in that in regards to that question that you've asked Mason. Yeah, definitely. I think it actually reminds me of what The Economist said yesterday, how we've had such a great 10 years of returns in our investments and we're so used to seeing these nine, 10% returns in a balanced option, mm. which is so unusual over history, isn't it, John? I mean, yeah. we could probably see you know, over the next 10 years that's probably going to be smaller. Like, that's not guaranteed, of course, but 
history has told us they've had a, a, a really strong decade we're mm. probably gonna have a, a weaker decade it doesn't mean it's gonna be a bad decade mm. just a weak one maybe we, we can expect returns for a balanced fund of maybe mm. six or seven percent instead of this nine or ten mm. so that we're not used to seeing so we might be thinking my investment isn't performing as well as it should be but actually mm. it's just all part of the the grand scheme of the economy and just how how, how it works in the waves and flows isn't it yeah I, I think it's it's in 2023 especially and even probably for a few years to come it's really around what you can control and what you can't control what you can control how much you spend you can control what you do you know um every time you work and get rid of money you're getting rid of it it's gone you're not getting it back mm. and the only way for you to get it back is through investments mm. like there's no other way like there's none that i know you know you can earn a business it's an investment you can own stocks, it's an investment. Mm-hmm. You know, own bonds, it's an investment. Like everything you do, you need to try and figure out how you get that money back. Because you're working and you're getting rid of money, when are you actually gonna start getting that back? And that's the, that's the biggest thing that I think most people need to realize is, is around investing. Now when it gets to the actual investment landscape in regards to what that looks like in 2023, there's still a lot of hurt to happen. Mm. You know, these interest rate rises, especially in regards to the growth assets, in regards to shares and property, um, people don't have that disposable, and which they had a year or two ago. And these assets are, 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 are primed to be affected by the rise of interest rates. In saying that though, you've got to look at, when we talk about like this, we're talking about the assets that you already hold. If you're not holding these assets, well, you've got to ask yourself the question is, is now the right time? And what I mean by that, I don't like timing the market. What I'm more talking about is that, has it never been a better time to actually start doing this stuff? Mm. Most people that I've heard from, they're worried, they're scared. Warren Buffett says, be greedy when people are fearful and be fearful when people are greedy. Mm. And what we're actually starting to see is we're actually starting to see things like the bond market starting to price in an actual upturn Mm. in some markets. Now the bond market is very good at predicting the short-term future anyway, okay? Now, please, don't think that I'm sitting here going, try to time the market. I'm not telling you in 2023 that things are gonna rebound. What I'm more talking about is the psychology of yourself. I'm more talking about, more people I hear about selling, getting rid of assets, selling them down, trying to time the market, moving into cash. Should you be doing that? For your long-term goals, for your long-term positions, if you've bought a property, Hopefully you've bought a property to hold it for 10 years or plus. If you've bought shares, hopefully you've hold it to get, you know, hold it for 10 years or more. Now, if you're in the position where you've gone too hard in, I, I can't tell you anything but see an advisor mm. because there's emotions playing there. You don't have the capability to probably make those decisions on your own. And you're probably, if anything, ruining your own finances detrimentally and destructively but you don't know you're actually doing them. Mm. And so in the investment world is actually playing out quite interestingly. And what we're actually starting to see is some of those defensive assets really starting to give you a return as well too, which is putting pressure on these growth assets as well as people are moving back into those assets. Mm. With cash rates rising, bank accounts, savings accounts, like some savings accounts are in the fours now, where you can get some money in. Like I know I look at my bank sometimes and I'm seeing interest payments come in for once. I'm like, Wow, you know, um, but also in regards to the bond market yields, you know, you've got yields that are in the threes, fours, some are in the sixes, yeah, in regards to some bond yields. That's pretty attractive yields when we're talking about equity prices 
or equity gains being in the six or sevens for a period of time. And this is where the pressure is happening on these growth assets because these defense, more defensive assets are now becoming more attractive. But in saying that, what you've also got to be looking at is the real return. And so Mason, what's the real return? Yeah, so the real return is we take inflation into account. So let's say the inflation rate came out the other day about 6.9%. Mm. So let's say I've earned a return on my investment. I've done quite well. I've mm-hmm. earned 8%. Mm-hmm. If I take away inflation, my actual return or my real return mm-hmm. is 1.1%. Mm-hmm. So it's not quite as, as grand as you as it appeared beforehand. Mm-hmm. But what, why this is really important, John, is when we're looking at our cash investments, we're seeing 4% and saying, oh, this is awesome. I'm getting 4% now. But when we take inflation into account, we're still losing our purchasing power of money because that's actually a negative real return. So it's really important to know that because we still want to be trying to get returns above inflation. Otherwise, our purchasing power is going down. Mm -hmm. We can't do the things we want to do. Mm. So that's why it's so important that knowing that real return, not just looking at the paper return, Mm. that real return is crucial. And the other two aspects around the real return as well too is unique in this position is that there's a real expectation that inflation is going up and coming straight back down. Okay. And... When you take that into consideration, even on the on the example that you gave before, um, if you did get that 1.1% gain, you're probably gonna start getting much more as the inflation rate kinda comes down, but it's around what they do with the cash rate in 2023 and potentially 2024 with some economists, forecasters, you know what I think about forecasters, um, predicting that the cash rate's gonna fall in 2024 we're going to see what happens with these defensive assets as well because you also don't want to be going in and going out. But what I do know is these growth assets over time do give you that real return that you're really looking for to get to where you need to get to. And that's why long-term, you know, cash and shares and, and those type of investments usually put good stead in, in regards to that. Definitely, definitely. I think a lot of like what you said before, but John, is that regarding the emotions and maybe we're not going to be making the right decisions. I know at the moment when we're seeing other people make decisions, mm. we sort of think, are they making that right decision? Maybe we should follow them. A bit of a herd mentality. That's what humans are programmed to do. We follow the herd. We don't want to be, don't want to be seen as different because in the past when we're seen as different, we're sort of outcast from the tribe. So we follow that herd mentality. So but when it comes to investing, all these pre-programmed ideas really don't work well for us, do they, John? It's like... It's like our brains are working against us to make us terrible investors. Yeah. And it's just, we're just not built for these, these investment markets at the moment. It's, it's, it's a quite a funny one, isn't it? Well, for the professional investor or the sophisticated investor, you're actually looking for people with bad behaviors. Like it's actually, it's actually, with the majority of people having bad behaviors is actually where you make money. So from a selfish position, the, the more people are emotionally investing, the better it is for me. Mm. You know, if you're willing to sell your house, for example, for 30% less than it was, 12 months ago, mm. I'm buying things at a discount. Mm. If you're um, being much more fearful in your approach, if you're selling down assets when you shouldn't be selling them, there's always remember, in any transaction, there's a buyer and a seller, okay? And now we were speaking to some of the biggest names yesterday, and I'm not gonna mention kinda who, but you can kinda put two and two together. Um, and there's a lot of acquisitions going on at mm. the moment. If you want to do yourself a favor, there's a um, organization that tracks the flows of ETFs, okay? And the numbers of volume that are going into particular areas. And that for me shows a good indication of who's buying and who's selling. And when you start to see some of the numbers that are happening, there's institutional people that are buying at huge levels at the moment where people are selling. Mm. And so it's sad, but the reality is, is if I had to say to you what my 2022, 2023 thing is at the moment, 
is that the middle class of Australia is starting to be obliterated. And in any inflationary period, this is the exact same thing that happens. Around the world, in, in high inflationary times, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. And it's because the poor lives off debt. Okay? The middle class lives off debt to fund the luxurious lives that they want to, especially in a social media world dictated by things like Instagram and so you know social media and YouTube and whatnot, TikTok. So, you know, 2023 is really gonna build that wealth gap, which which is really sad for me, okay, because I really want to be helping the, you know, the, the people who are really starting out and, and the middle class. But if they don't make the decisions and don't make the sacrifices that we've talked about today, that gap is going to continue to, to hugely be, be, be much bigger. Um, and also the emotions are going to continue to play and they're going to play into the hands of the people who are making logical decisions, um, feeding off the emotional um, poor decisions that these people are making. No, I think you're right there, John. I think these, the, the, the really upper class people have this cash ready to go and they wait for these times, don't they? Like they see these, these years and these potential recessions as really great opportunities. Like we look back to 2008, 2009, this smart money going into the market when the markets have bottomed, the next 10 years, they've made so much money on these great decisions. But you've got to remember that the real reason it wise is the power of rebalancing. So when markets are rallying, they're trimming into cash, mm. okay? And when markets are not doing so well, they're re-entering with cash. And so there's never, well, there was not never, but there's huge levels of cash reserves sitting on the sidelines. And actuaries know this, that there's huge amounts sitting on the, ca- on, the, on the sidelines. And most of this cash is sitting in the high net worth space, in these sophisticated investors that are holding back on serious levels of cash, looking to re-enter. And the re-entry point on some of these things is happening right now, okay? And like I said, it's not, please don't think that I'm telling you to time the market. All I'm just saying to you is that in times of fear, what's happening out there? And in times of greed, it's the opposite, yeah? Mm-hmm. And it's this FOMO approach. Now we have seen the collapse in regards to crypto, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been really driven off greed and fear. And if you probably looked at the fear index, which is the VIX, it probably looks similar to mm-hmm. what's going on in the crypto market, which I don't know off the top of my head, but I would imagine it's kind of similar. Mm-hmm. Because um, it's that feed and that fear and that greed. And even if you look at the NASDAQ, which is very feed and greed oriented mm-hmm. index, you're seeing this also happen, okay? so. Uh, 2023, you've got to really look at your behaviors, got to look at your emotions and see what they're doing in regards to yourself. And if you think that you're not making the right decisions, then if you can't make the right decisions, you might feel like you're looking at your cash flow, you're looking at your lifestyle, you can't make any adjustments. Well, maybe this is somewhere where you've got to get the professionals in. And Mm. please, we're not trying to talk about ourselves, but this is the same thing that I would say to someone with mental health, with physical health problems, anything. There comes a point in time where you can't do it by yourself anymore and you've got to seek that professional opinion. Spot on, John, spot on. I think that's, that's really great advice. It's not just yeah, it's not just finances. It's any area of your life where you want to improve it. Mm-hmm. Having someone else to just bounce ideas off even, I think mm-hmm. it's, just, it's invaluable to have, mm-hmm. that, to have that, that sounding board, to, mm-hmm. to, to speak to someone, to talk through your ideas. Because mm-hmm. they're massive decisions. They're life-changing decisions. So mm-hmm. with anything else, you wouldn't go in by yourself. So I don't mm-hmm. see why it's any different finances as well. Now, well, I know we've talked a fair bit about 2023, John, but to round things off, mm-hmm. what's, what's a bit of guidance or maybe just a, a one tip or two tips to go into 2023, 2023, 2023 with, rather? <laughs> yeah, no, that's it. Um, for me, it's really around cash flow. You know, really getting down to 
where you're spending your money and how you're spending your money and, and building the mindset that you're willing to, having to be willing to make sacrifices to get to where you need to get to. The people that we see failing on their journey to financial freedom, and we work with you know, many, many people in this space, is the people that aren't willing to sacrifice to get to where they need to get to. The 2022 was, how can I put it like this? Um, a bit of like a warning. It was like a warm up, yeah? Mm. 2023 is gonna be the year where this is not a warm up. You're put in positions that you're gonna have to make that decision. Now Maslow's hierarchy of needs, one of the basic requirements is shelter. The shelter, the house you live in, is being put under pressure because of the cost of living. Now, if you've got a mortgage done through the loans, if you, if you, own the pro- if you don't own the property, renting, rent, rent is going up. So you never want to be forced to make a decision. Now, Mason, why wouldn't someone want to be forced? And why do we have so much preparation in regards to this? Because this is my big tip, and I think if they get that right, the rest of it we can make sense with. But this one is huge in regards to mentally preparing for that. Yeah, 100%. Why we don't want to be forced into decisions is because your timing then. That you t- the time is getting taken away from you. And when you're forced in that decision, then you've got to, you're making these reactive decisions. And it's, it's a flow-on effect. I've got to do this because of this, and therefore because of that, I've got to do this. Mm. And usually, when that happens, it's not what you want. Yeah, you don't want, to be, you don't want to be in a position where you have to sell your house by a particular time because of a particular event. Exactly. You know, you could be selling at a much, much cheaper level, You've got a you know, bad situation. You don't want to be that. that. And, and, and you can, in most cases, avoid that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What sacrifices are you willing to make? And when we talk about this, guys, we're talking about three main levers that you can pull on. One, you can earn more. Okay. Now, you might be working three days a week. Can you pick up that extra day? Can you pick up that extra shift? Mm. I know, for example, when my grandparents came to Australia, they were working two jobs. You know? And I'm not talking about we have to go that far that back, mm. but you know, there's going to be. It's not as easy as the choices of you not working this great recession where people were choosing not to work. Yeah, it's going to be that was affected by cash rates being at 0.10 percent. Like mm. it's 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 relative. So can I earn more? Can I spend less? Do I need to get Uber Eats all the time? Do I need to buy a two hundred dollar gift for every child? that my friends have children for. Could we do KK? You know, do I need to buy a gift at all? Can I do a handmade one? Can is it the thought that counts? You know, um, these things in regards to earning more, spending less, especially around unnecessary expenses, like leakage is huge, we say that all the time. And then the third one is revised goals. And we talk about revised goals, what we're talking about here is, for example, you know, upgrade of cars like lifestyle goals, holidays, you know what I mean? Um, People might think that this is a bit harsh, but schooling, Mm -hmm. you know, we've got public school systems that have amazing curriculums. Like, do we need to go to that private school and put yourself under financial stress and and leverage yourself to be in that position? These decisions, though they're difficult, I, I, I do not say that they're not. These are the discussions that need to be had. And, and regardless of what financial position you're at, Mm-hmm. So the most high net worth people in the world are still making decisions around, let's take their businesses, mm-hmm. how can we spend less? Amazon's not getting rid of 11,000 people, for example, by them not using the three levers, regardless of what that is. 
Now what happens is, is there's actually a fourth lever that's on there and that's actually increased risk. Mm. Now that's the last thing that you want to do because remember, increasing risk comes with its own problems and situations. So you want to utilize the three so that you're not forced, forced to have to do the fourth, mm -hmm. yeah? So those are my tips for even now and, and probably for many, many years to come, but especially in 2023. Now, Mason, thank you very much for jumping on again and um, hopefully you've enjoyed this episode of Cash Talk. We're gonna be really um, doing some more in regards to Cash Talk. We're gonna be uh, introducing some more, more speakers and really diving deep into the sessions, uh, into the episode, sorry. But you know, if you're loving the content and you're loving what we do, please share with others um, and you know, hopefully you've loved this episode and speak to you next week. Have a good one. See you guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cash Talk. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you want to learn more about me, jump onto my Instagram at, at thejohncasher and you'll find me there or at my website at www.johncasher.com.au. Thanks for listening. Cheers.